What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, the Hungry Trends community sat down with Sarah Mastrovaco, VP and General Manager of Access to Food and Nutrition at Instacart. In this episode, we'll chat about the $100 billion plus opportunity for grocers to accept online SNAP EBT payments, how the platform is expanding nutritional access for tens of millions of Americans, and the future of content and commerce in online grocery. I'm very excited to be joined today by Sarah Mastrovaco. She's the VP and GM of Access to Food and Nutrition at Instacart. Sarah's played an integral role at Instacart since joining as the first member of the business development team in 2014 and recently oversaw its entire pickup business. Prior to Instacart, Sarah was a manager on Pepsi's global operations and M&A team. Sarah, it's great to have you on board. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thank you for having me, Matt. Uh, yeah, Snap is a really interesting topic. Um, I recently covered Forage, so I'm definitely up to speed on on kind of what's going on in the space and saw some of your recent announcements. So I'm really eager to dive in there. But before we do that, I'd love to talk about your background from management consulting and how you kind of transitioned from PepsiCo over to Instacart and some of the various roles you've ha- held at the company over the last eight or so years. Great. Happy to. And I'll, I'll even start a little bit before consulting. My first job ever was testing chocolate and peanut butter in a Hershey's factory. <laughs> so um, sounds like a fun I, I, job. <laughs> it was fun. Um, I wasn't actually taste testing; they were lab tests. But I actually worked for Hershey every summer during college. Later years in finance and accounting, not quite as fun as you know, sticking your head in a two thousand pound bat of peanut butter. But um, uh, my dad had a long, successful career at Hershey, and that definitely influenced my shape and love of food and snacks personally. And then later in my business career. So after that, though, I did go into consulting, loved the experience, but realized wanted to build something and be part of a company and kind of went back to my snack roots. So that's where post-business school, I joined Petsico. So I took a full-time job at Frito-Lay doing strategy and M&A and later global operations. Loved my time there, obviously. Loved snacks, um, but learned a ton about like negotiations and emerging businesses. But then moved, to, I, that, I was in Dallas, based in Dallas at the time, but moved to San Francisco for personal reasons. Um, my husband's from California. We got, he got a job here. It's a city we wanted to live in. And I worked remotely. So 10 years ago, working remotely was not really a thing. <laughs> uh, and the opportunities were a little more limited. So loved my time at Pepsi, but wanted to see if there were things I could do in my career in San Francisco. And I found a little tiny company on a job board called Instacart. <laughs> and I had, had been, I'd been interviewing a bit and looking around and wasn't really excited um, about, you know, the next cloud software or whatever, like exciting companies, but not, you know, the snacks that I love or groceries. So found a company, wrote a one line cover letter that said, I'm a grocery nerd and I think you can revolutionize the space. Fast forward, got hired. I was the second member of the business development team. So 2014 joined Series A Instacart and it was 30 people in a house in South Park. Um, wow. Coming yeah, coming from 300,000 person PepsiCo to 30 person Instacart. I remember walking in and, and it feeling, honestly, some days just feeling like a school project. Like I can't believe people gave us money. This is amazing. Like we can go, you know, we can go do something um, great here. And the first year really was just traveling across the US, mostly West Coast, talking to any retailer who would talk to us. 
people hadn't heard of Instacart. Like, oh, grocery e-commerce, what is this? You know, this was 2014. <laughs> it, it seems, <laughs> looking back, it seems so different, right? Especially after the last couple of years, but we were able to sign awesome local grocers like Buy Right Market, um, but even have bigger wins like Smart and Final, um, which is popular across the West Coast, and even Petco, which is a national, you know, grocery adjacent. It was exhausting, but amazing year of growth for Instacart. And then after that, which you didn't mention, but my second year at Instacart, actually, you signed all these retailers and then we had all their data. So they sent us the inventory and pricing nightly and our catalog wasn't set up for that. And so leaning on my consulting days of data management and SQL, I actually ran the catalog for a year, mm. um, which was which is an awesome experience. Actually, it was my first time collaborating with engineering and product. You know, I came from the food world, not the Silicon Valley world. And, mm. and that was an amazing learning opportunity for me to move fast and build things and solve problems. So I was able to do that in my second year. And then actually had a baby, came back to Instacart, took leave and came back and, and came back to retail sales. So forming retail partnerships, we were bigger. So in some regards, it was easier to get meetings, but in others, it was quite tough until Amazon bought Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that summer was re- really just like a, a great time for Instacart. I think it was the first signal that grocery e-commerce is here to stay. Um, that, that retailers and grocery delivery, especially. So we're able to sign Kroger and Costco and Albertsons and Sam's Club and Loblaw and Walmart Canada at the time. So an amazing opportunity for Instacart. Great to be able to drive impact at scale for the company and, and create deep partnerships. And the other great thing that happened at that time is we um, acquired Unata, which is our, mm-hmm. which, which became the basis of our enterprise business. So now called Carrot Storefront and, and Storefront Pro was a great like formalization of our commitment to being that retail enablement platform. So that was the first five years at Instacart, um, years six and seven. Actually, I had another baby, came back from leave. Great opportunity, obviously, uh, honestly, to like, wear many hats um, in my career. Those take that, that time and come back. And I was asked to leave pickup. So I don't, Matt, did you know that Instacart has pickup? Absolutely. <laughs> you, okay, good. <laughs> um, not as many people are familiar. Obviously, we're known for delivery, but... We have over 5,000 stores today that offer curbside pickup across the U.S. and some in Canada. It's a great low-cost way to shop. When I joined, we had 1,000 stores. We're growing slowly, but was asked to really figure out the strategy for that. Four months into it was COVID, March 2020. So (laughs) definitely an interesting time to try to grow a business. But for Instacart, obviously a great time to do it. Um, Was tasked with a small team to really develop a plan to scale. And we did it remotely. We were able to you know, go from 1,000 to 5,000 stores in the height of COVID and really do it by partnering with our retailers. So having, having them work with us to launch and scale pickup. Really proud of that business today. It continues to grow. Started to pivot then in late last year to focus on access to food nutrition. So obviously why, why I'm here talking to you today. Our SNAP program had launched. It was taking off and... I had experience in general management saying, okay, this, this is obviously something it's tied to our mission. How can, how can we help grow it? So for the past year, I've really been focused on using Instagram scale uh, for good and to help people who need it. So excited to talk more about that today. Um, and, and really how we can, how Instagram is using that today to leverage um, and reach benefits uh, underserved communities. Love it. That is a really fascinating trajectory. And <laughs> Love hearing about all the roles that you've held. It sounds like um, a wild ride, especially towards the la- end of the last couple of eight years, especially as, as penetration of online grocery has just skyrocketed. 
I guess, yeah, very curious to dive in a little bit deeper into into the current team. What is your mandate? What do you oversee as part of that? Obviously, Snap is under that, but is there anything else? And like, what is the broader kind of goal and mission yeah, there? Absolutely. Um, Insert's mission, period, is to create a world where people have access to the food they love, right? More time to spend it together. And we, when we first launched Snap, that was a cross-functional team, but it's a, it's a product and a team that's it's working to get Snap. Um, and then I was asked to join in October of 2021 and really formalize the name of Access to Food and Nutrition. We're still, I've, I have a small team of directs, but really work cross-functionally to say who, who in product, partnerships, retail, you know, strategy, et cetera, can help expand our mission. And, you know, SNAP is what we are primarily focused on today, but we really are working across products, partnerships, and programs to increase access to nutritious foods. So it's not just launching project products, but using our current products today for good. Um, so, for example, a lot of our inspiration products, um, recipes, how, how can we help people you know, be healthier? So it's not just access for nutrition security, but it's access across the board. Everybody needs access to nutritious food. So as part of our AFN work, we've enabled SNAP acceptance across 49 states in Washington, D.C. Really excited in the last few months to announce that. Alaska is the last state that doesn't accept SNAP, but we hope to work with them to accept SNAP payments across the state online. And then honestly, yeah, and one of those things is formalizing our SNAP acceptance as part of carrot payments. So that's our retail enablement strategy um, for payments. And, that, and that's something that I work with cross-functionally bring the team. But really just overseeing a lot of health partnerships. Our goal is to connect public and private sectors to increase health nationwide. So I work very closely with our policy team as well. Amazing. Yeah, we spend twice as much on healthcare as we do on food. It's this is an essential problem we need to fix. And this is a huge opportunity. The numbers I have is over $100 billion to spend about 14% of all all total grocery spend. And if you look at online penetration, you know, the last time I wrote about this, it was about 5% of, of total snap dollars spent were going online about five and a half billion uh, was like, kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm not sure where it is now, but 5%, you know, it's about half of where current online grocery penetration is on a broader level. So I guess my, my question is, you know, how are you guys looking at this opportunity? And what were some of the things that happened on a public policy level that kind of unlocked this opportunity for Instacart to come in and really help people access these dollars conveniently? Great question, and agree with you that we're still. I think I think Snap online page penetration and awareness is still growing. You know, roughly today, thirty-seven million Americans don't have reliable access to nutritious foods. And you're correct that that does. You know, like food is medicine, and there can be so much preventative care if we get people if we solve for hunger and also solve for nutritious foods. Um, you know, previously only large retailers were approved to accept, accept EBT Snap online. So that like before Instacart got involved. And Instacart was actually not a retailer. We're an enablement platform. So that initially prevented us from joining these pilots, which was very mm. frustrating. You know, we're providing these e-commerce services. But at the time, the government was only giving like very large retailers the opportunity to test and learn. Fast forward, we changed that. And we're really advocating. We've advocated for EBT Snap acceptance to be expanded. And we think that not only like major grocers can benefit, but we can help every grocer, local grocers, aren't able to lobby, right? They're not able, it's not as easy to have a dedicated person to go through that process. So I'm really proud of our team that we, we pioneered the retailer onboarding process with 
the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the FNS, Food and Nutrition Service, expanding access, which has allowed us to scale significantly. So um, with Aldi was our first grocery retailer that came on board, now over 2,000 stores accepting staff online. But now we have 60 retailers and across those 49 states in D.C. today, and, and we're not stopping there. We're continuing to onboard and, and partner with the government to say, how do we move faster? It's in everyone's benefit, right? How do we get more retailers online to give customers more choice and access both geographically, but in your region, we want people to have the opportunity and break down those barriers of transportation and time. Yeah, I kind of want to zoom in a little bit more yeah. on this. Like, I think historically in the era of like Fresh Direct, the mm -hmm. concept of online grocery was has always been kind of considered a luxury for like the elite and that this was something that people were paying a premium for, the prices were high, higher than you would find in store, the fees were attacked on on top of that. So at the end of the day, whatever your traditional basket was in the store was going to be X percent higher just by virtue of it being marked up and for paying the premium of convenience, because obviously mm -hmm. all the work, you know, everyone's got to get paid at the end of the day to make that happen. So but what's really interesting about this is that you're now able to tap into a, an audience that actually needs this. Like it's not a luxury. Mm -hmm. This is actually right. a necessity. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit of, uh, about, you know, like how you're acquiring those customers and some of those stories of like yeah. different um, use cases that you can now unlock for people who are living in food deserts, people who are maybe handicapped and not able to physically access a store that now have access to Instacart and wouldn't have shopped with Instacart otherwise, you know, what is this really unlocked and how are you getting the word out? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm glad you asked that question. And, and I think I've learned a lot in the last year and I've, I've also been challenged because there are a lot, there were lots pre-snap and even as we grew snap, okay, is, is this really, is it really a product market fit here? Is it grocery delivery a luxury? And I think that I've been able to learn and, and help really help really educate others on the benefits and really the, the need states of people that are uh, often suffering from nutrition insecurity. And, and you hit the nail on the head that they don't have access to a car. There's a lot of mobility challenges in the space. We're offering independence, honestly. We're allowing customers to control all parts of the experience. We're saving them transportation, but time. Um, often these are people that don't have a car or reliable transportation. The options available to them in their neighborhood are limited. So when you think about a food desert, for example, you know, we're covering the vast majority of those with fresh food. But really would love to dig into a little bit more of we've talked, so we talk to users, we ask, you know, we ask them, we want to understand what is the real value we're providing here, what do you like about Instacart, um, and especially the SNAP service. And the, the three things that stick out are obviously helping save time. We're offering an affordable alternative. And I think the time is related to transportation, but it's also selection. So the second thing would be increasing the selection and savings. You know, there might not be an Aldi near your house. Aldi's absolutely known for low prices, you know, lower across the board. So Sprouts, example, like fresh groceries in your neighborhood with low cost. So I think versus, for example, I guess the Fresh Direct, you said there's one, you know, there's, there's one delivery service and it's known to be premium. Instacart's not that way. You could have up to 30 grocers, right, in your area to choose from, all with different prices, different selection, the opportunity for deals. And then the third thing that I think was the most, not surprising, but wasn't as intuitive to me, was there's a reduction of stress by using Instacart. So online shopping provides EBT Snap customers anonymity, right? Um, and control. Mm. So you're going, when you enter your Snap, so I would encourage you, if you can go on Instagram and enter a 16-digit Snap card today, it won't. 
it will fail at checkout, but you can get the experience. <laughs> but you should. I have one today in, in my um, in my wallet, like my Instacart wallet. Mm-hmm. And so you can see everything that's Snap. And, and the Snap eligible retailers will become more obvious. The products will become. And you really create your shopping on your time, on your phone, or on, you know, you can pick the items and then you really are budgeting that you can budget and make those decisions. It's much more stressful if you get to check out in a grocery store and you have to put something mm. away, right? Or, oh, this, didn't, yeah. this is actually, yeah, there, there's, there could be an embarrassment factor. There's really an empowerment online to say, I have time at checkout. I know the things that are eligible for SNAP and aren't. I can put things back with zero stress, right? There are replacements on Instacart. We can be very transparent about like, if there's something needs to be replaced, you can approve that with your shopper. And if not, you know, so I think there's so, there's so much there. It just wasn't obvious to us, but is now that we'll continue to double down on to make sure that we continue to be just a great service for people to help them save money and time. Really interesting. I hadn't considered all of that, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, the selection Mm -hmm. is vast and you can kind of shop deals across all these different retailers that might not be your necessarily preferred retailer. So there's a lot of discovery. And then there's the concept of like the security and the stress relief of of not having to, you know, return something back to the shelf. Can can you dive in a little bit more into to what's eligible under under online snap? Like I know there's no alcohol and maybe no prepared food. Yeah. And what kind of fees you're able to cover? Sure. So snap eligibility is the same online as it is in store. Um, we make it easy by identifying those items, but we get those lists from retailers that are informed by the government of what's able to be for sale. And it is nutrition only. So unfortunately, snap doesn't address like hygiene security, which is a problem too. Um, I think there's definitely further opportunity mm. to help in that area um, that we aren't today. But I would say it's, it's all food and it is usually less prepared foods. There's some opportunity, I think, in the future as you know, there's access to nutritious meals could help people. But today it is non-alcoholic grocery items. Most everything is available under that. And from a fees covered, Instacart offers, we want to be very transparent about our fees with consumers. We today, we del- we waive pickup and delivery fees for Snap customers on their first three orders. We want to give them a try. Like, please give this a try. We'll reduce your fees. You know, we're looking for more ways to make it affordable, but we, we don't have anything else other than here's your standard rates and three items. And then we want to teach people to save. And then we also have our plus membership, which we talked about could actually be cheaper than a bus fare, right? Or a cab fare if you have lack of transportation. So our, our Instacart plus membership is $9.99 a month. Uh, $99 a year. And that does come that waves fees as well. And is a great way to uh, save money if they are using Instacart several times a month. Interesting. Can we talk a little bit more about the this customer cohort and uh, from an engagement standpoint, co- compared to, you know, traditional Instacart shoppers, like how sticky is this snap offering when it comes to, you know, frequency and retention? I unfortunately can't share exact numbers <laughs> um, <laughs> about our customers, but I can tell you that you know, what I talked about in the, the product market fit and the areas that we see that we're providing value comes through, right? We, we, we feel very strongly that this is a great product and that our customers feel it strongly that it's a great product and we'll continue to innovate in, in that area to make sure we, we stay not a luxury, but, but a way to help people get the right food that they need. Totally. And so as far as like, the roadmap for non-food, I know Instacart has a lot of other types of merchants, right? You just rolled out mm-hmm. the big and bulky fulfillment 
option. Um, so, you know, that unlocks all sorts of electronics and, and whatnot. So general non-SNAP EBT payments for non-food me- uh, merchants, is that something that, that you, you foresee happening on the Instacart platform in the future? So, we, yeah, we definitely want to expand opportunities for people to spend, you know, as, like use assistance payments and, and hopefully we'll have more to come to talk about that later. I would say not just electronics, but toilet paper, right? Their budget, their, their decisions, that there are things that Snap does not cover that we hope that Instacart can offer the same value without being able to have Snap payments, but still lower the barriers to transportation and offer more deals for people, right? Give them that selection. Um, but are really open to making sure that um, there can be additional assistance programs beyond SNAP um, that they can use via Instacart. I know there's also, you know, some other types of programs like in, in California here, we have Double Up Food Bucks. I guess my question is, like, what is the role that a platform like Instacart can have in incentivizing SNAP beneficiaries to eat healthier and to take advantage of yeah. some of these programs? I think it's a great question. We're really, we're focused on access, but then one thing we also are very passionate about is not telling anybody how to eat, but giving them information and empowering them, like so via information and inspiration to help them make better choices. So that's, you know, how can we make sure that if you are, you know, gluten-free, for example, you can go on the site today, right? We have tags that say that. How can you, you know, how can you use recipes? So we have a recipe program that we've talked about just last week with our, and we have carts and influencers that you can, with the click of a button, kind of make the internet shoppable on Instacart too. We're excited about that. So I think there's power there to help people and that love the incentive programs. So we think that's an extremely effective lever and that's a huge opportunity on the partnership side, which I talked about. So partnerships is a huge part of Instacart's business. We want to partner with retailers, but also third parties who might want to offer the a double up food bucks or an incentive program. So Really a, a lot more to come there, but agree with you that these are really powerful opportunities and the online just makes it scale so much quicker. The carts feature is something that I'm personally really excited about. Um, it kind of falls under this bucket I've been describing as content X commerce, you know, um, basically yeah. these two worlds mm-hmm. coming together. Uh, you see so much food content on TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram, but TikTok has really been a huge yeah. amount of growth and like the ability to go from seeing something to carting it and having it delivered. Uh, you know, the applications could be something as fun and playful as like an influencer, you know, telling mm-hmm. you, you know, here's my favorite candy bar all the way down to something <laughs> that has like a more uh, nutritional kind of message, yeah. you know, something yeah. that's good for you. So I'm excited and- about that. Me too. I think everybody needs treats, right? But I, I love the, if we can make nutritious meals more fun or exciting or just inspiring, right? I, I personally, and obviously nutrition security is not an issue for me, but what's for dinner and how do you make nutritious, exciting things I think can be beneficial for everyone. How do we lower healthcare costs across America, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> make people nutritious, make, make nutritious meals and ideas easy and inspiring. The TikTok example is interesting because there are there are a lot of influencers that, that also focus on snap meals, which is really cool, right? There's oh, TikTok wow. influencers that say, here's a meal that is snap approved, right? Here's quick ideas. So I think there's, you know, your your content times commerce is limitless, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and also giving creators a way to monetize their content too, you know, exactly. uh, through, through affiliate yeah. programs and whatnot, which I, mm-hmm. is something I'm going to be covering more soon. So oh, good. looking yeah. forward to, to exploring that. 
So going back to to the some of the technical parts of this, yeah. Zai, I'm a former product person turned media analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, w- yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest hurdles if an online grocer wants to do this today? Right, and um, things that come off the top of my head are you know this idea of split tender for, to ensure that you know you're paying for the service fees and that that's not reimbursed and some of the government bureaucracy and some of the integrations that are required that um, you've done a lot of the heavy lifting on, like just how hard of a problem is this to tackle? Yes. I think, I think great, great questions and maybe split it up into like get approval. And then once you're approved, how do you make it work? The approval process is something that we've been able to, regardless of a small, like a, a small local one-store retailer to a national chain help, We've helped kind of pioneer that with um, FNS and also make it easier and, and streamline. It might take a couple of months, but that is actually streamlined by government standards to make sure that you ha- can use Snap Online. So that's one way that we've done that, and that's through you know, the carrot payments process. And then, to your point, yes, split tender is difficult. So carrot payments allows us to seamlessly integrate and you help retailers integrate with new types of payments. So Snap is one way to do that, and. Um, again, in- encourage you to, to enter a, a snap card online on Instacart and see that because when I check out, I can say how much I want, how much is eligible. We tell you how much is eligible on your snap card and then you can pick the amount mm. and then the rest goes to your other tender. Um, but we also have Apple Pay and PayPal. So all of these things um, help reduce customer friction, right? And, and make it easier for people. Um, so that technology is available to grocers across the U.S. So families can both use their SNAP benefits, choose to use PayPal, choose a regular credit card. Um, there's a lot. You're correct that you know, payments from a product standpoint is a, is a deep area that, that we're excited through Carrot Payments to help our retailers with. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if you can, you know, zoom in a little bit more into to Carrot Payments. You know, can you talk about some of these uh, integrations you've done into like kind of the first party white label sites to enable these retailers to accept SNAP payments uh, on their own branded portals mm-hmm. within Instacart and kind of how, how that adoption has been picking up now that you've added SNAP. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think SNAP works obviously on the marketplace, but that same process gets you approved to work on your own storefront. And that's where Carrot Storefront Pro comes in. So Storefront Pro is an end-to-end platform built specifically for grocery and it reflects retailers unique brands so they can have a site that's reflective of their brand but use the power of instacart underneath it to not just fulfill but um, you know work on the, the payments and for example that's going to help grocers drive higher basket sizes improve conversion rates and retention and more so there really is we're both easing the process um, with payments and having the storefront pro um, but also driving driving business so so customers, if they want to shop their favorite retailer, they can go on www.retailername.com, use it through Instacart there, but they don't even know that they're necessarily using it on Instacart, but they can have that same same experience also on the marketplace if that's how they choose to order. Exactly. Um, so, so partners include Food Lion, um, Tops Friendly Markets is a local Northeast retailer, Food Bazaar in New York, Price Chopper. So those are a lot of examples of, you know, you're interacting with the retailer's site, but you get to leverage the power of the Instacart platform. Got it. Very cool. And yeah, I would imagine for someone, for, for a lot of these retailers to go and build that themselves is they would probably want to rip their hair out because it's just hard enough building an building a storefront <laughs> that doesn't accept online snap payments. So 
I can only imagine that that's a huge unlock. You're right. And, and like, honestly, to go full circle back to like why I joined Instacart and had a knowledge of like CPG and grocery, but less of tech and really saw the value in Instacart, right? We've been steadfast and loud about being the enablement platform, not a retailer. Retailers have amazing expertise in like local, local relationships, what people want to buy, you know, how they want to buy it. And then we can provide that tech layer and give them, you know, Instacart's scale to do it. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that we, you know, continue to double down on like the enablement side and let retailers do what they do best. So I want to kind of transition some of the, like, you know, towards the end of our conversation, more um, talking about the current state of the world and in terms of inflation and affordability. And there's been some, some articles that have come out recently suggesting that restaurant meals are cheaper than groceries, looking at like, you know, kind of basket inflation. I guess I'm curious, yeah, what your take is on this and what this will mean for, for the SNAP integration. I think, yeah, it's an, that's an interesting question and, and headline. I, I read that as well. Um, and I think rightly so to call attention to the fact that, you know, inflation and fluctuations in price are felt most in grocery. You know, people spend more on groceries um, than almost any other household expense. Um, and, and as prices grow, you could compare it to restaurant, but my initial push on that would be it's not as nutritious, right? How do you find nutritious fresh food mm. for your family? And I think that's where Instacart, the content times commerce can really come into play, mm-hmm. that we can help people save money and make healthier choices over the long run. So that's where I see it going. I think our technology makes it easy for consumers to find those value offerings. So we talked a lot about snap payments, but there's more ways we, you can save on Instacart. We, we're transparent about in-store pricing and retailers. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you have that selection and transparency across 900 retailer banners. I think the variety is so important, you know, especially you know, versus a restaurant food. And, and retailers actually are doubling down on prepared meals. We know people have less time and, and prepared meals or ready to prep meals are, are super popular. So like, we can kind of serve both needs. How do I get something quickly and make it healthy, which is more difficult to do in the restaurant space. But again, we're continuing to double down on value. So promotions and discounts, Instacart Plus. Um, our membership program, you get 5% credit back on pickup. So that's cool. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about pickup. Delivery is obviously so important, but pickup can be too. If for price sensitive customers, you're saving the time, you, you can throw right. it in your trunk. And if you have the Instacart Plus membership, you get 5% credit back on pickup. We just launched our credit card, which we're excited about too. And that's another 5% cash back. So I think we're, we're continuing to uh, just offer more and more value because we know that that's what's important to consumers. But at the same time, my job is to expand access to nutrition as well, but make it easier and give people the choice versus telling them, you know, this is exactly what you should eat. Totally. I, I, yeah, I think if you had to choose between like, you know, a fast food meal and cooking for your family at home using, you know, fresh produce or even frozen produce, which, yeah. you know, just can be even more nutritious. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a lot out there that a lot of um, mixed messages out there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily agree with that headline. <laughs> but um, We're on the same page then. Yeah. <laughs> any general broader predictions uh, as far as, you know, how... So I've been tracking, you know, food mm-hmm. away from home and food at home spending. You know, the, every month, as you know, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts yeah. out these numbers, right? And it's, it's always interesting to see. During the holiday season, like November, December last mm-hmm. year, 
we had a brief moment where grocery spend uh, eclipsed that of food away from home, and then you know, which is inclusive of restaurants and food delivery, which is、mm-hmm. odd, but that's how it works. But generally speaking, up until pre-pandemic, I think grocery spend was 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 above food away from home.、Uh, or sorry, when the economy was booming, you know, pre-pandemic. Obviously, restaurants were, were were getting the lion's share of the wallet share, but I guess any general. I know you're not a macro economist, but any general <laughs> predict predictions you have on how this will shake out between these two channels over over the next I don't know, decade or so. Sure, I think I think correct. I'm not a, I'm, I'm <laughs> a macro economist, and I can't speak for Instacart. <laughs> but I mean, personally, in the space, and obviously going back to like, I'm a grocery nerd, and I think that. Especially even during COVID, grocers became even more of an important part of our day, our week. Like they're in our communities, and I, I don't think that that's going to go away. I think people will always like restaurant meals, but I think grocers are becoming more and more adept and in tune to be able to provide the fresh, the frozen, the prepared meals, the inspiration to get you what you need. And I think you know, as a country, we understand and are pushing. For more choice in fresh and getting people access to、um, nutritious foods, and I think just grocers have will have and continue to have such an important role that I I'm hopeful that we'll continue that trend of you know how can we help people、um, learn to cook again, make fresh things, make it easy too. So I'm excited about that,、um, and I think with Instacart. Kind of back to back to delivery and and pickup. It's important to us that grocery shopping isn't a luxury, like what you said. It is something that's affordable and accessible. And how can we make the content times commerce right?、Um, mm-hmm. Make make that even even more like double down on that. The convenience isn't just the time spent getting it from your house or like the labor. It really is the it really is the knowledge, the education, and inspiration. So, you know, snap just the beginning. Uh, lots of, like we're so excited to continue to partner with retailers, but I think you know, there's a lot that we hope to share in the coming months. So excited to share more with you when I can. Amazing, yeah. So feels like very early days on both like、mm-hmm. the content front and and on the you know on the entitlements front. So I'm really excited to see how that that all plays out. Would love to give you just a little bit of time to. Promote、uh, any of open hires you have. We have people tuned into this podcast who work in grocery tech,、um, who who may want to be jo- looking for their next gig, or you know, if people listening to this at home want to get started with、uh, use use their SNAP benefits online, how can they get started as well? Oh, that's great! Yeah, so from an Instacart perspective, yeah, I would encourage everyone who's interested in food and access to go to the Instacart careers page and see what's open. Always open for for people that are in, have ideas for how they could partner with Instacart to reach out to me and and to the team for ideas on that. And for Snap, yeah, Instacart has it. If you just Google Instacart Snap, you'll come to our landing page and we'll tell you how to sign up. And we have you know assistance if if there's obviously assistance and a care team needed if anybody has trouble signing up. But we found that it's a pretty easy and intuitive process. But we continue to, to take feedback and iterate. But we're always excited to get the word out on Snap and. And、um, whenever we tell people, both you know, both community organizations and recipients of SNAP are excited to understand how many options they have by you know, via Instacart. Very cool. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. I've, I'm very envious of your job. You not only is it a, are you working in you know, the cutting edge of online grocery, but you're also really giving back and have a really amazing mission. So, 
Um, really love what you're building and can't wait to hear about all the product announcements coming up. Thank you. And I feel lucky to be in the position as well, um, but obviously a big responsibility too. So yeah, really great to meet you. Welcome your ideas as well. And hopefully we can stay in touch. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.